0: WinBet gives you the tools to win. Sign up today for your risk-free $1,000 sports bet. Download the WinBet app now or visit wynnbet.com to start winning.
1: Three, we're reacting to week five of NFL action on Roto-Viz Radio. What's up, Roto-Viz? Welcome into the RotoViz Fantasy Football Show. I'm Dave Cabin alongside Curtis Patrick. We're two of the owners here at RotoViz. A lot to get through. We have to be efficient tonight. Curtis, what's up?
2: Oh, man. It was such a cool week, uh, except for the Browns losing in heartbreaking fashion in a game that was first to a million uh, out in, in Los Angeles. But a uh, very fun fantasy week, lots of huge scores. Uh, I know we're going to get into a little bit of that tonight.
1: All right, so let's just hit it right up, right off the bat here. Player of the week, who you got, Curtis?
2: Oh, we talked about one king who had returned to his throne, I think two weeks ago when Derrick Henry popped. Well, the wide receiver king from last year returned to his throne in week five, Devontae Adams. Wow, what a week, man. 16 targets, 11 receptions. Uh, posted 206 receiving yards on 239 air yards led all wide receivers in just about every category um just an incredible performance 37.6 PPR in the Packers um thrilling overtime victory against the the Bengals the upstart Bengals uh in this game and I'm going to give just a quick uh a quick hat tip um runner up uh award to to Mike Williams who continues his torrid pace in 2021, uh, if it weren't for Devonte just going absolutely bonkers, uh, Mike Williams would have been, uh, absolutely would have been the player of the week. Who do we got for the snoozer Dave?
1: Well, you know, I always hate to have to be the bearer of bad news, but man, I mean, it's got to be Trey Sermon. And this is also not just <laughs> for the week. Like this is for the season to put things in perspective. Trey Sermon. One rushing attempt, Curtis, he did get seven yards on it, but zero targets. Trey Lance carried the ball 16 times, 16 rushing attempts. Elijah Mitchell had nine rushing attempts. It's just looking pretty evident that it really now is an uphill battle for Sermon to have that back half of the season that people were hoping they might get from a rookie running back to really make a difference for their team. With this new identity, things are not looking good for Sermon.
2: Yeah, I mean, he he... He's literally, yeah, literally a snoozer would not have been surprised to learn that he didn't even like attend the game. Um, so yeah, Elijah Mitchell, um, definitely looks like the back to own and all that, the fab that was thrown at him after week one, uh, probably, uh, going to be justified, especially as the team kind of battles through all the quarterback uncertainty. So, um, Hey, we'll hold out some hope for Trey Sermon, but looks like he's got an uphill climb.
1: All right. That brings us into game notes. Let's start over in the NFC, and I'm excited about this, so I'm going to bring it up even if it isn't super actionable. But one of the things that I talked about in the offseason, which I was kind of joking at the time, was Antonio Brown finishing as a wide receiver one, Tom Brady getting three of his wide receivers in the top 24, three top one, you know, three uh, wide receiver ones, Right now, as things are constituted, Tom Brady is the number one overall passer, 26.9 points per game, throwing for 353 yards on average with three touchdowns, which is absurd. You have Mike Evans ranking wide receiver 11, 18.5 PPR points per game on nine targets. Antonio Brown, wide receiver 14, 7.2 targets per game and 17.8 PPR. Then you have Chris Godwin coming in at wide receiver 17, averaging 8.2 targets, 16.4 PPR. Sure. You're going to have some weeks where one of them isn't delivering, but I think these guys are going to have so many opportunities to put up big games that I think we're going to see something fairly similar to this when all is said and done.
2: Yeah, it's, it's really incredible. And I, I really love seeing it. Um, I, uh, I, I've been in the hospital, uh, for as many days as I can remember now. And I'm not keeping up with my shaving anymore. Dave, you'll notice the, uh, the gray on the beard. Yeah. I've, uh, I've aged a little bit this year at age 37. And so it, it really warms me to see Tom Brady still just scorching the earth, uh, at the the tender young age of 44. So this is really fun to see. Uh, it's kind of crazy that this team would continue to ascend after winning the Super Bowl, but man, they, like they really look better uh, than they did last year. They, they got off to a little bit of a bumpy start in 2020, but kind of just seems like, you know, their their improvement has just been, you know, linear year over year. So it's really, really fun.
1: Yeah, for sure. What do you got for me over in uh, AFC land?
2: I think we can officially say, and, and, I, and I gave a, a little hat tip to to Mike Williams, um, you know, as kind of a runner up player of the week. I think we can actually say that the torch has been passed uh for the Chargers Dave i mean Williams just really really consistently um outperforming Keenan Allen now um you know this Joe Lombardi offense uh seems to be a great fit for Mike Williams skill set and it looks like you know he maybe had been miscast of course he battled an injury the first couple years in the league but um this offense seems to make really great use of his skills um he's he's being uh, targeted down the field and not just you know um Uh, down the field, but also not only down the field. He was kind of a deep threat only early on, uh, but 16 targets with 231 air yards, uh, tied Devontae Adams for most targets this week, uh, second among all wide receivers in air yards, and just doing laps around Keenan Allen, almost doubled him up in targets um, and uh, more than doubled him up in in yardage uh, and tripled him up and air yards. So, I, I mean, this offense is the Mike Williams and Austin Eckler show and Keenan Allen is like a cute chain mover now. Um, so this, this hat, like, yeah. And I mean, I like, I like Keenan Allen, like, I mean, you know, film guys like Keenan Allen fantasy players have liked Keenan Allen. I mean, he, he's been a good player for a long time, but he is the compliment in this offense now. Uh, I mean, there's, there's no, uh, there's, there's no other argument that can be made. And so from a redraft perspective, I think you have to like Mike Williams as like an upper echelon wide receiver one rest of season. And from a dynasty perspective, like their values have basically completely flipped uh, from what they would have been in the off season. I think it's very difficult not to call Mike Williams a top 24 dynasty wide receiver, even with, you know, all of the young exciting players who are in year one or year two Williams is kind of entering his prime with an ascending QB and an exciting new offense really have to like his prospects for the next two or three years, Dave.
1: Yeah. And you, you know, you hit things right there when you mentioned Herbert, because I was going to say at some point, we're going to have to talk about what his dynasty outlook looks like, because at this point he's been so impressive the way the offense is functioning with the new coaching staff. It's worth revisiting just how high we should value him, but let's transition back over to the NFC. I want to talk about a team, not having the same level of success as the chargers. And that would be the Detroit Lions, but I think that there's something noticeable or notable to take away from their last two games. Amon Ross St. Brown, a player that was one of the more interesting um, wide receivers coming out of this class in how would he be able to mesh into the NFL? What would things look like in Detroit over the last two games, seeing an average of eight targets, six and a half receptions, 68 receiving yards. The next uh, player on the team in terms of targets has been TJ Hawkinson at 5.5. Then you have Raymond and Cephas at four targets. So it's looking like we could have Brown settling into a role where he's going to be the most targeted player on the team, could be running as the wide receiver one. And I think in certain leagues, he might be available for people to put on their roster. So I wanted to float that out there. Uh, You know, 8.4 yards per target, an air yard per target of just 6.4. So you're not seeing the totals like you would with a guy like Raymond, but it's looking like you might get more consistent production.
2: The the Lions are certainly playing tough. Um, And I I think it is a good place to speculate for fantasy production because unless they just totally give up, um, you, you know, we're going to have some exciting, uh, garbage time production, you know, really from, from all the, all the positions, Dave. So yeah, I don't, I don't mind that little roundup there. Um, I want to kick up over to the Buffalo bills and the AFC. I'm not, I don't really know what to do with this receiving core. Um, you know, I'm looking at the Monday review, Dave, uh, which is a great way to uh, kind of, uh, I guess, start adjusting. Um, to including the most recent games until you know we have the Monday night football added in on Tuesdays and I'm looking at the production year to date. I mean Manny Sanders, Dawson Knox and Stefan Diggs basically interchangeable as fantasy assets uh so far. And you know that's it it's great if you were a late round Emmanuel Sanders investor or uh, an early waiver wire um, uh, investor in Dawson Knox not so great if you were uh, early round two drafter of Stefan Diggs. Um, they're all averaging between 14.3 and 15.2 PPR. And, uh, you know, despite Diggs out targeting Sanders by over three targets a game and almost five targets a game more than Dawson Knox, uh, they find themselves bundled up there. So, um, I think Sanders, his production, uh, probably, uh, is going to wane at some point is he's being boosted up a little bit by touchdowns. He scored four touchdowns in five games. Um, I don't think that that's probably sustainable. Uh, Dawson Knox has five touchdowns in five games. Um, despite getting less than five targets per game uh year to date. So I mean we we joked last week that he was the twenty twenty one Robert Tunyon. I mean he's actually like Robert Tunyon two point right now I think he has to come crashing back down to earth at some point. Like a non-touchdown week for Knox would be pretty much devastating to his you know weekly fantasy value. Um and I have to think that the blow up game is coming for Diggs at some point. He scored just one touchdown through five weeks it, to some extent, it makes sense that Sanders and Knox might score more touchdowns than Diggs, especially if if the Bills are marching the ball down the field and he's not scoring the long ones. Uh, it makes sense that defenses would key on Stephon Diggs in the scoring area of the field and that Allen would find, you know, easier targets to hit. But at 9.4 targets per game and nearly six receptions per game, I have to think he's going to have a spike week. I thought it would come against Kansas City they didn't need it to because the bills got out early and the defense was uh, forcing turnovers and it was just not the type of game where digs needed to really rake. Um, but what, what do you think? Are you holding out hope for Diggs to return to like elite alpha wide receiver status at some point during the year? Or do you think that Buffalo is kind of a sum of the parts uh, receiving offense now?
0: We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate That's Indeed.com slash wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
3: Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at bioptimizers.com forward slash balance. Magnesium breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.
1: So one thing that I, I spent a long time looking at a couple of actually this time, a long time back, maybe five, six years ago, but I'm pretty sure the lesson still holds is how hard it is to actually predict. Like you can feel a player is due for a good week to act, but to actually accurately predict when that's going to happen is nearly impossible. You don't know when it's going to come, but the one thing you do pretty much know is it is going to come eventually, especially with players like Diggs, that have been so good historically that are in the confines of an offense that's still supporting them, you know, more or less from a volume perspective, they haven't hit on those touchdowns. I think we're still going to see a couple of really big games from Diggs. I think as things progress through the rest of the season, we're still going to be looking at the type of player that we thought we were drafting Back in the summer. So I think that's going to manifest. But I also need to call out how happy I am that you mentioned Dawson Knox because this guy has been an absolute savior. I have to give him a round of applause because this guy single handedly, this was more, this week, more so than any. That I can remember last year or this year went the complete opposite of how I was expecting it. A lot of teams I had did not perform, and Dawson Knox really, like, single handedly saved some games for me. So I had to call him out there. Let's transition over, though, to the NFC. Dude, we've got to talk about the New York Giants because this team is now mm. in a really rough spot. Daniel Jones. Don't know what his concussion status is going to be like heading into week six. Saquon Barkley is going to be out for some time. An already depleted wide receiver core is now looking like it could be without Kenny Galladay and Kadarius Toney. We need to really be monitoring that that, uh, injury report for the team. So I want to first talk about Devonta Booker. In the game over the weekend, ends up getting 16 rushing attempts, did not do a lot with them, just 42 yards, but still manages to get one rushing touchdown, four receptions, four targets, and one receiving touchdown. We talked earlier in the year about how when Wayne Gallman got in for the Giants last year, he was able to make some things happen. So my opinion here would be, I think that Booker is a guy that you're going to be interested in adding off of the waiver wire. You probably shouldn't be expecting things to go as splendidly as they did uh, for Gallman last year. Do you agree with that? Like, I'm trying to set the expectation here of... well, how about we do it like this? In comparison to when Chuba Hubbard was going to be, you know, the player that was going to be that waiver wire ad curse, do you think people should be going after him more aggressively? As in going after Booker more aggressively?
2: No, no, far less aggressively. Yep. A couple reasons. Um, n- number one, uh, the information that we have on Barkley's ankle seems to be that it's the, the team seems to be indicating that it's it's minor. This might be a one to two week thing. When McCaffrey first went down, you know it was like three to six weeks. Will he be on IR? Will he not be on IR? I think after the waiver period occurred, we got more clarity that it was only going to be a couple of weeks. Yep. Um, but also Booker's just not the type of talent. I mean, Chiba Hubbard was a 2000 yard rusher in college. Um, and, and Booker has been a nice journeyman who's provided, you know, RB2 utility when he's been the guy over the past couple of years. But looking at the, the giant schedule, let's just say, you know, you need a running back streamer. Um, you know, you've been trying to patch the holes of Dalvin cook, uh, being unavailable, or maybe you're the Barkley owner, uh, Barkley manager. I mean, the giants have to play the Rams and the Panthers in week six and seven. So I don't sense like without Daniel Jones and potentially without some of their, you know, major weapons and Kadarius Tony, who looks like a superstar, uh, after that game against the Cowboys and Kenny Galladay, who seemed to be starting to get a stride in the offense, I just don't see the team scoring many touchdowns. So you basically yeah. would be adding Booker on the hopes that he has like a miles Gaskin esque game where he just gets a million checkdowns, downs, uh, which is what happened for the dolphins in, in week five. Um, so, you know, I mean, sure. Like he's going to, he's going to be uh, he's going to be getting the volume and you know, volume uh, is, is what leads to running back fantasy points obviously, but I just don't think he has really anything of a ceiling. Um, so I, I would not be breaking the bank. This is not like a spend 50% of the rest of your fab situation. This is a um put in a price enforcement bid in maybe the 10% to 15% range max, um, unless we get more clarity before your waiver uh and fab deadline. And then, you know, if you get him, great. Um, but I think even if you get him, it would feel not awesome to start him.
1: You said it much better than I could. Now, if we flip to the receivers though. There's gonna be the options. It looks like of John Ross, C.J. Board, and Colin Johnson. Now, neither of these guys, or none of these guys, are really seeing a tremendous amount of target volume. But if you're without Shepard, Tony, um, Slayden, Galladay, these guys are gonna have to be utilized. But now you have the problem of what do you do if Daniel Jones? Isn't there? So I am not sure that even though these are bodies now that are going to have to be leveraged, we should really be looking at them as players that um, are going to be able to make a difference for you on your team. So I guess kind of the same question to you here: Any of these options seems like guys that we should be trying to acquire?
2: I I mean, in in I think in in sixteen-team start fourteen-player redraft leagues. Uh yeah. you know, I like that. Like I I think, you know, Dynasty, um, just kind of what if stuff could make sense. Like the Giants wide receiver core does feel like one that really beyond Tony, who do you wanna, you know, who do you want to roster long term? Um, and so just like, you know, always churning the end of your roster in dynasty, especially in those deeper dynasties. I mean, we're definitely not touching any of these players in like a traditional FFPC dynasty league. We're talking like an MFL like uh you know niche league where you've got 30 plus players in your roster are you thinking about picking any of these players up i i think the potential play is um evan ingram going from bench fodder to auto start potentially over the next couple of weeks um that's not going to help you in terms of waivers maybe in redraft maybe evan ingram is out there in terms of redraft uh but I think really the play with the Giants over the next couple weeks is just to stream the opposing defenses if they're available. I don't expect the the Rams to probably be available. The Panthers could have been dropped um, after what their matchup looked like uh, the last two weeks. Um, I was actually able to add them in a couple of my higher stakes redraft leagues. So definitely target the Giants' offense with opposing defenses if your fantasy league still uses those. And I think uh, if you already had Booker, maybe you stream him put in that men bid, uh, price enforcement bid on him. And then if you got Evan Ingram, get him in your lineups. I think that's, that's my take on the Giants offense and the quarterback's not going to be streamable because of all the, you know, the, uh, weapon, the lack of weapons that we just talked about.
1: Yeah. That, that all sounds good to me. So any closing notes on the AFC that you have for us?
2: Yes. Um, I, I'm going to cheat a little bit and just hit on two situations here. Yeah. Uh, I know we just try to hit on, uh, on three teams, but I think there's a couple of things worth, worth mentioning. Um, so the first, and I already mentioned this name, you know, we saw the reemergence of miles Gaskin for fantasy purposes. I mean, the dolphins backfield has just been atrocious from a fantasy perspective. All of those, you know, mid like post frozen pond investments in Miles Gaskin and, and rounds like six through nine at various ADPs over the the summer were looking like just wasted picks. But then he he comes out with a a 10 reception, two touchdown game as a receiver. Um and you know you have to think that that the team is just going to see that he can help them move the chains. Um only five rushing attempts for 25 yards. It wasn't a game where Miami was going to be uh rushing the ball very much, but Definitely have to keep your eye on him. He probably was kicked to the curb in many redraft leagues, so um, he would be somebody, rather than Devontae Booker, I would definitely go out and put a more aggressive bid on because we've seen him, you know, on larger sample sizes perform as uh, a PPR RB1, you know, over the last six weeks. He did that last year and now one of the best running back performances of 2021 with nearly 32 PPR in week five. The other situation I wanted to hit um, is, is Denver. So we saw about a fifty percent, uh, a fifty percent split in terms of opportunity share between Javante Williams and Melvin Gordon in Week Five. Um, Gordon out carried Javante Williams nine carries to eight, um, but Williams out targeted Gordon three to two. Um, so we see that split there. Williams with seven point six yards per carry, sixty one yards on eight carries. Gordon um, just three point eight yards a carry uh the napkin math tells me that's half as efficient uh per touch and then also gordon just posts uh nine receiving yards on his two targets whereas williams posts 25 receiving yards on his three receptions so you know williams looking like the more dynamic player uh, the the play on him you know all offseason was that at some point there would be a changing of the guard and uh you have to hope that the team starts to see this if he can if he can just go 50-50 with Gordon over the next couple of weeks and continue this type of efficiency. I think we can find a situation where you know maybe Gordon is like the four minute back uh with an extra driver to a game, but but Williams takes more of a two-thirds to one third uh advantage uh in terms of backfield opportunity. So any comments there on uh on Gaskin or the Denver backfield, Dave?
1: Well Gaskin, it was nice to see be able to have a game like that to kind of get a little bit of redemption, maybe help out some of the teams that really stuck with him. But I think that, yeah, like if you're looking at him versus a player like Booker, it makes a world more sense to go after Gaskin. Um, in terms of Williams, I, I think I'm on board with all of that. And one thing is for certain, uh, his outlook is looking a lot better than Trey Sermon's.
2: Yeah, uh, one. I'm going to go to the strength of schedule. <laughs> I'm going to go to the strength of schedule uh, streaming app uh, just here as we as we tighten this up, going back to Gaskin over the next two weeks. Miami gets the Jacksonville Jaguars and the Atlanta Falcons, uh, two premium matchups uh, for the Dolphins. And if if Gaskin has indeed separated himself as the you uh, know the majority uh, opportunity getter there in the Dolphins' backfield, could be a pair of really positive um, games uh, coming for him. Denver um, gets Las Vegas, who is a, a, a primo matchup for. Uh, running backs for fantasy purposes, a top five matchup for those Broncos backs in week six. So we we probably need to be on Javante Williams breakout watch. uh, And we'll have to see if we're talking about him again in next week's Tuesday morning show.
1: Awesome. Well, there's some animal outside my house making some noises. (laughs) Like I am not sure what it is. My dog's going nuts. I think this is the perfect way to close things down, but we will see you all later in the week.